I want to see what that dad bod can do out there. Not buying your banjos around the campfire. Shove them up your ass. It's football under the rough words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. And Zach Lyons is also here with me. That really sounded kind of condescending, didn't it? It's like, I'm your host. There's also and then this, there's this guy. guy. There's this guy over here. Zach, if I told you, let's just pick a date. Say January 2020. I look at you and say, listen, Zach, don't worry about it. Because by Thanksgiving of 2021, Julio Jones and Adrian Peterson are going to be playing for the Tennessee Titans. I would say, well, one of those is probably true because I would never believe that Adrian Peterson would be on this team. I I would definitely say things have gone tremendously wrong. If if Adrian Peterson is on this team. Well, they apparently have Um, most Titans fans. Every Titans fan went to bed Sunday night reveling in the fact that Tennessee had put away the AFC South and swept the Colts. I was in a good mood. It was a stressful game. It was a long game. It was one of those overtime games where I was like, just someone win. Let's just get this over with. But obviously, well, the Titans win. But I started doing interview prep for for an interview I was doing on Monday. So I kind of went radio silent, just kind of expecting that Monday was going to be Monday. And I literally had to get someone put up pointers in our group chat of what the hell I was reading by lunch on Monday. So if you're living under a rock, Derrick Henry broke a bone in his foot. What bone was it now that everyone on Twitter is a medical expert? Well, I am a medical expert. It's been proven <laughs> this whole podcast since it's been up. It's a fifth metatarsal. It's a Jones fracture. It's the same fracture uh, that a couple of other people have had, one of them's being Demarcus Lawrence earlier this year, who is already determined to probably come back by week eight. Okay. Or the eighth week of <laughs> his recovery time, which technically this, basically what this is, is somewhere around your pinky toe. There is a high risk for re-injury, but basically it is a six to, it's got a big long window, right? Because everybody's different. And that's what, Mike Vrabel pretty much was alluding to when he said, I don't pay attention to timelines when the player is ready, the player is ready, which is the correct way to do it because you don't want to put undue expectations on someone recovering from injury, especially one of your own players. If you tell people that, Hey, he's going to be out here in six weeks and then he's not out here in six weeks, everybody's going to think that it's the sky is falling. They're going to have to amputate his foot and all this kind of stuff. So Vrabel did the correct thing in, in talking about that. And the basically it's six to 12 weeks healing time, but it could take up to three to six months to fully get be symptom free, right? Not feel any pain, not feel any soreness, you know, and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, typical. So, you know, sometimes you're, you're healed, you feel good, but then you're still going to experience soreness here and there. So, the way that Ian Rappaport and the Mike and Mike Vrabel and the Titans alluded to, you should there shouldn't be any reason that we don't see Derrick Henry out there for the playoffs, which is great. Best case scenario, he comes back for those last two games in 2022. He gets knocked off a little bit of rust and he's ready to go. Here's what we know: Derrick Henry is not a human. He is a cyborg. He's probably one of the healthiest players in the NFL. He takes really good care of his body. He has great strength and conditioning. All this stuff plays into a factor in your recovery process. There's probably nobody out there except for maybe like Aaron Donald or what J.J. Watt would have you to believe that he is, is going to recover and train harder and rehab to come back quicker than anybody else has from this injury, right? This players and timetables, they're all different. You you have a general idea on certain injuries of when a player will be ready. Typically, like ACL tears for heavier linemen is like 37 weeks. So it, it's 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 bad news, but it's not the worst news ever that you could ever have, especially with how the Titans took care of business against the Colts on Sunday. It could it could have been worse coming off a loss than than it is coming off a win. It's awful. 
I mean, I, I you, we're a Henry podcast. Obviously, we we love Henry. Everybody wants to see Derrick Henry out there, but you know now everybody gets to see Derrick Henry in the winter when it matters most, and he's gonna be fresh. And that's that's kind of one where I want to start with this. Trying to redigest this over you know the last day listening to the fans kind of, you know, they were, they were freaking out on, on Buck rising show. They were, you know, obviously coming unglued on Twitter, every possible take you can imagine, but let me start first and foremost with the, the man himself, Derek Henry. If you don't think that he is going to be the most disappointed out of anyone out of all out of every, you know, I mean, this cyborg, as you called him is still a human being who was actively going for 2k, People are chanting MVP. He, I think he had a legitimate shot at at least, you know, getting a nod for that. So first and foremost, just remember that someone is actually behind, you know, this cyborg facade that we put up and laugh about that there's no one more disappointed to not be out there. And the reason why I say that is to say this, there were the first take I saw that really kind of drives me nuts is why did the team keep running him if they knew he was injured? Why would Henry keep doing that if he knew he was injured? I, I kind of want to start there because that was actually one of the questions I did ask you yesterday, Zach, was, I mean, well, why? Well, this is what this is all from Brable, and there's really no reason because he went a little bit more in depth in it than I thought he would. And when he goes in depth, that's when you kind of know that it's true, that there's some story to it. Um Basically, to boil it down, he conferred with the medical staff and definitely conferred with Henry, and both felt that he could play through the pain. And that's going to sound a little bit, of course, a player is going to say that, right? Because that's what we have been conditioned as a media and a fan base NFL-wide that players are going to go in and hide injuries and hide how how they feel. Now, maybe that's NFL propaganda for these all these CT, CTE cases that then lawsuits and all this, you know, stuff they got going on. But that's what we've all been led to believe for the last, I don't know, since football's been around, right? These guys are tough. They always want to play. They don't care what the injury is. They just want to get out there and play. That is apparently not the case in Mike Vrabel's experience with this team and as a player that – players generally will tell you if they can go or not because, you know, they're the ones that are having to go out there. They're the ones with their future in mind. They can generally tell you if they can go or not. Now, obviously, Henry felt he could go. If anybody anybody with eyes could tell you that he's not running with the same juice and he was obviously playing through something, whether – I doubt they knew – right away in the moment on the sidelines without any real medical equipment that it was a fifth metatarsal Jones fracture. I'm sure they knew something was wrong in his foot and I'm sure they knew probably something was broke, but could have been just a mild foot sprain, right? It's probably stuff they found out either during halftime or more than likely at the, after the game was over because he was scheduled to meet with the press. And then they, I think they canceled that press conference. So from everything that they have said and everything from Derrick Henry and from the medical staff and what Vrabel has uh, relayed to us is that they knew he was hurt. He said he could play through it. He wanted to play through it. Doctors okay to play through it. And then on top of that, they didn't, they, there was no re further injury or damage done by playing on it. I mean, it, once you, it's broke, it's broke. And, there was no further injury, you know, it's just, you know, unfortunate and it sounds like a bad situation, but I don't think if the situation was handled poorly, like everybody assumes that it obviously was. Yeah. I I don't think you win that game without Derrick Henry playing through it because in overtime and on these fourth down, there was a fourth down run that I don't, I don't know if the Titans get that fourth down that they technically need uh, for the field goal and everything. 
you're talking about the one where he dove forward yeah. right there at the sideline. That was the first play that popped into my mind when I heard he was injured and then heard when he possibly injured it, which we think was in the first quarter. So I, you got to, I mean, the balls on that man, the absolute guts to, to go out, you know, in that moment, for instance, to get that fourth down, it, this man wanted to play. He wanted to get it done. Um, you know, obviously we all hope it's the short end of the timeline, but <clears throat> that's kind of my next part <laughs> coming from Ian and Adam Schefter and these guys out there. I, I have to make a bit of a blanket statement that they're also, how do I say this carefully? No one is doubting their reporters, but they're reporting for an entertainment industry. They are there to entertain a little bit. And I say that to say this, when Adam Schefter goes on Monday night football, and again, I have not heard what he said. I've heard it secondhand, but when Adam Schefter goes on Monday night football at halftime, and gives a big, long, his thoughts on how long Henry's going to be out and all that, that, that's his thoughts. And while I have no doubt in the past that Adam Schefter has, you know, has truth attached to his name, he also unfortunately has some skeletons in his closet about, you know, <laughs> passing stories off to watch the football team to verify to, you know, being in bed with the NFL with gambling and all that. So I'm just saying that like it, he has opinions and that was an opinion piece he gave. So just because it comes from Adam Schefter, you know, don't yell it from the mountaintop. We're not carving this in stone. Well, you know, he's also, leaving himself a little bits of outs like maybe what he said on tv is not definitively an out but he's leaving himself these ways to well i did say he's you know even before the mri the the initial tweet was so much fear-mongering in it and people just overlooked probably season ending and then he goes on here and says okay uh season, regular season Titans hope to get him back, though, and the Titans, you know, hope to get him back for the start of the playoffs and blah, blah, blah. But everybody's going to focus on the season ending stuff. He knows what he's doing, right? I mean, right. he knows what is going to get the most clicks or the most engagement or the most views and all this and that stuff. <clears throat> You're talking about a guy that, you know, invests in gambling companies with an NFL owner, you know, a guy that, you know, gave a story to Bruce Allen and got to get it pre-approved and – you're talking about a guy who said Jimmy G definitely wasn't getting traded and would be on the Patriots in 2017, 100%. And Jimmy G turns around and gets traded a guy, <clears throat> excuse me, a guy that said that Dak Prescott may not even play this year. And he just doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the Dak Prescott of old. I mean, just story after story. Listen, nobody has a 100% track record. Ian Rappaport doesn't. Adam Schefter does it, but Adam Schefter is spitting in the face of anything that you can Google by the way that he is presenting this medical info. You know, and barring complications in surgery for Derrick Henry, this is a common injury that requires, you know, six to 10 weeks, right? I mean, that's it's right there in Google. Now, listen, I don't care about your life. 10 years ago as a high school football player, I saw one guy tweeting, well, this is a 13-week injury and, and blah, 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 because I had this injury in high school 10 years ago, and <laughs> it's a 13-week injury. Like, first off, medical science has advanced in 10 years. Second off, you're not fucking Derrick Henry. Like, get a fucking grip about your high school. And this is a three-year Letterman account. This is a legit account of someone who legit thinks that what happened in high school matters for what is going on in Derrick Henry's life. Nobody cares about your Humboldt Warriors football injury. You do not matter. Your medical opinion does not matter. What matters is that Derrick Henry has some of the best, you know, medical and surgeons and training staff and all this stuff that money can buy while you your your podunk ass is probably overweight for a high schooler trying to compare your fucking broken foot injury you got from probably cow tipping 
compared to what Derrick Henry's going through. Like, give me a fucking break. If you were, in, you know, back in high school doing push-ups with, you know, you know, I don't know, 300 pounds hanging around your neck, then yeah, maybe you have something similar to going around with Derrick Henry. But you're not. Like, nobody cares that you carried some bells of hay or whatever you did back in high school. We had, when I was at Overton, uh, our football coach would stand in the hallway as a hall monitor in between periods. One of the period breaks we had between two and three was extended. It was like a break period. Like we were out of class for like 30 minutes, and it was basically kids would go get to the snack room. They could use the vending machines anyways. Where I'm going with this is that our starting quarterback walks by with a Mountain Dew and a Honey Bud, and Coach Anderson yells out, Mountain Dew and Honey Bud, huh? Yeah, we're going to see about that in practice. And then as, as the quarterback's walking away, he keeps getting louder. He's going, there he is, starting quarterback with a Mountain Dew and a Honey Bun in his hands. <laughs> and that is a classic, classic Southern high school snack combination, by the way. That's, it's Mountain Dew, the, Honey Bun. That is the diabetes special. I'm not even going to lie. I used to enjoy those when I was in yeah. high school. I think about it now, and I feel like I'm going to go and have a coronary. But you, you're exactly right. And that's kind of where I wanted to go with this next piece is that how should you be handling the freak out? Because most of you all are not handling it very well. Someone called into Buck Rising show yesterday. One of the only calls I got to hear and bless the guy's heart. He, you know, he was trying to be positive, but he's like freaking out as he's yelling into the phone and he's going, listen, I don't want to hear anyone talking about the season's over. You're just, we're just, we're just going to root for the Titans. And he's just getting louder and louder. And I'm like, Buddy, I, th- I think you are kind of freaking out. It's going to be okay. So, I, look, no one wanted this. No, no one wanted to look at a season that didn't include Derrick Henry. Um, but you can look at it from multiple ways. A, if you're one of those that says that Ryan Tannehill is propped up by Derrick Henry, well, guess what? You get the next several weeks to see if your lie is propagated. Number two, this Tennessee team essentially locked down the AFC South. So for those out there that are freaking out saying, well, the, what if the Titans don't even make the playoffs? It's going to take a lot for the Titans to straight up miss the playoffs. Okay, so let's set that aside. Yes, obviously the Titans would like to have a higher seed. No one wants to play on the road all the way through the playoffs, but that's a little bit out of your control at this moment. B, are they going to rush or C, I should say, are they going to rush Derrick Henry back too soon? You can't say that only because it goes back to the point Zach was making earlier about it's ultimately up to the player. Once he's medically cleared to play, if Henry decides to come back and you got to think with the workload you've seen out of the man, he's going to make the decision to come back. But Derek Henry also knows his body unlike anyone else. And so I, I think you have to try to take those three pieces and look at it somewhat rationally. Am I missing anything there, Zach? Well, I mean, I think you got to look at it this way. Um, well, if you're if you're looking for some positiveness about to, to to help wrap your head around and make sure that the sky is not falling, um, there has been one Ryan Tannehill game with since he's joined the Tennessee Titans where he has not had Derrick Henry. Okay, so first off, we can look at that game. Now, this is with a worse technically receiving core if you factor in Julio, a healthy Julio Jones, which that's a big factor in everything is getting Julio Jones back. So hopefully how they handled his injury issues these last few weeks will get him prepared for this next leg of the season. But he went 17 for 27, 62.96 uh, completion percentage, 272 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, and 133.6 passer rating against New Orleans. And that was back in 2019. No Derrick Henry. Game was on his back to, to win that game. And they won that game. And he had a great game. It was one of his better games as a Tennessee Titan. The other thing is, is to look at these last two games with Derrick Henry. Kansas City and Indianapolis, 2.97 yards per attempt. yards per attempt against Indianapolis. Under three for both of those things, and they still won. And while he had crucial runs that mattered, it was mainly because, and don't forget, zero rushing touchdowns, by the way. He did have the passing touchdown versus Kansas City, 
But I mean, you're talking about it was the defense kept you in the game and Ryan Tannehill got you back into it. And yeah, it, it's it's a blow, but the season, regardless of what how they handled the free agent acquisitions or a trade for a running back or whatever. However, they decided to ha- answer with the with this situation and how to solve it. The season was not over. This is still a playoff team. And it's not to say that Derrick Henry doesn't matter. Obviously, your Super Bowl chances are lessened without Derrick Henry, but they're not dead. I mean, teams can win a Super Bowl without a running game. Teams can go go on and do stuff and still move on from it, right? And and it's it comes down to your head coaching, and it comes down to your quarterback and a lot of other things. A lot of people have to step up for this to work. But do we have any reason to believe that Mike Vrabel is not going to have this team keep on fighting? Is there any reason to believe that this locker room isn't going to win games and and show people that, hey, we're not a one-person team. We love Derrick Henry. We're going to win for Derrick Henry. Right. I mean, that that's what it if, – if this was a Tennessee Titans team four years ago and Derrick Henry was who he was four years ago and who he is now four years ago and he went down, I would fully agree that this team is probably not going to be – ready to rock and roll like this team's not going to really go anywhere but this is a totally different team totally different quarterback totally different offensive philosophy and all this stuff they're still going to run the ball and make you respect the run game it's going to be probably not as successful and efficient but that's okay um and they're going to have to lean a little bit more on the screen game and lean a little bit more on their wide receivers, which they can do. Ryan Tannehill can do what you need him to do and keep this team alive for the number one AFC seed and keep this team ready to rock and roll for the, for the playoffs. I I don't see any reason to pull the alarm on on this team even before they signed Adrian Peterson because I mean you knew a move was coming you knew they weren't gonna roll with Jeremy McNichols all all fucking year I just don't see any reason to pull the alarm and say this season's completely over this team's going nowhere we may not even somehow win the AFC South we need to fire everybody blah 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 all the usual takes I mean we had the usual suspects wanting to fire everybody even before the Henry stuff came out. Well, it's it, funny it, because Rob on broad, you know, you know, the Twitter takes were at Rob on Broadway last week. He goes, I'm getting a little nervous that everybody's behaving on Twitter and I'm never going to have all these takes. I said, Oh, you'll have some takes. <laughs> and sure enough, Titans go down 0 and 14, you know, to the Colts, and then this Henry stuff happens. So there are takes galore everywhere. <laughs> he may have to do two or three articles just on this week's takes alone. I want you all to know something, okay? And I truly believe in karma. So I'm just going to put this all on me. The Titans were down 0 and 14, and then I left my house to go shoe shopping. And guess what happened? Guess what happened, people? If I did not need dress shoes on a Sunday for absolutely no reason whatsoever, because I can only find one this it would have happened so you're welcome you're welcome for me going shoe shopping i wasn't going to bring up the shoe shopping during the titans game i was going to let you slide so i just want to let you know that that i was not going to bring it up listen i if i didn't have a choice i literally looked i was like how do i have one effing shoe that's what happens when you don't wear nice clothes for like 16 months and all of a sudden you have to have them i I, enter enter adrian peterson this is the second part of fan expectations that i would like to set Zach, first off, what are your expectations for Adrian Peterson? Well, I did this really long thread of coming to conclusions of what is an acceptable range for Adrian Peterson. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's 36. There's not a lot of 36-year-old running backs in recent history that you can go through and kind of point to. So I basically took an average of Peterson's yards per carry from last year with the Lions and – uh, Frank Gore, when he was 36, hits yards per carry. So I would say around 3.75. I know that's not a lot. 
And that's not going to get you, an, you know, that is going to solve your Derrick Henry issue. But it's going to help keep this team respectable in the run game because it's, it's it going to be a running back by committee. And that's what everybody needs to set their expectations from. Adrian Peterson is not getting the ball 30 times a game. If he is, something is extremely wrong <laughs> and rotten in this offensive philosophy. Now, if he somehow looks really great in this offensive system, that's one thing. But if he looks like the Adrian Peterson that we, we all pretty much expect him to look like, he should be getting around you know anywhere from 15, 20 carries a game on average. I'm thinking a little less than 600 yards and probably six, seven rushing touchdowns is what you're going to get out of Adrian Peterson. Look, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the Lions offensive line and in 2020 and all this stuff. It was a middle of the road offensive line. It was around 15th or 16th, depending on what you look at it, as far as offensive line run blocking efficiency. Okay, so it wasn't terrible. The, the thing is, is that this team just failed to commit to the run. They had Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift, and you're talking about they only had, they ranked 30th in the league in attempts, 30th in the league in yards, but they ranked 14th in touchdowns. So this wasn't a running team. They were mainly behind. Now, granted, this offensive line currently is a little bit better than the Detroit Lions. And I only say a little bit because you got to remember Derrick Henry gets all of his yards after contact. Technically, that does not mean that necessarily mean because Derrick Henry is leading the league in rushing that the run blocking is awesome. If yeah. the majority of his yards are after contact, he's getting hit either behind the line or right at the line generally, more, more often than not, okay? I don't know an exact percentage, but let's say more often than not. Can Adrian Peterson do that? So, yes, he can get some yards after contact, but he's going to have to get it a different way than Derrick Henry. But I will say, Adrian Peterson's vision and actual instincts are a lot better than Derrick Henry. Now, he's going to have to rely on whatever's left of his cutback ability to get into some holes, and hopefully he can still do that. He's not going to get you he's prone to get you like a 20 yarder or 38 yarder here and there, you know, but he's not going to be an explosive threat. Right. So he's going to have to rely on a lot of veteran instincts. That's why I think 3.75 yards per carry is probably where he's going to be at. Anything over that is gravy. I think you take it all day long. Even yeah. anything over 3.75, you take, you're happy with it. If he's around 3.6 yards per carry, that's fine too. Because they're going to be using Jeremy McNichols a lot more, I think. And he's and they're going to do a lot of screenplays with Jeremy McNichols. And, and the screenplays, the extension of the run game in their eyes. So I think realistic expectations, if you're expecting anything over 600, if your expectations are anything over 606 touchdowns, you're setting them too high. But if he achieves anything over that, that is gravy, in my opinion. Because you're only needing them for technically seven to nine games, depending on when they want to bring Henry back. So let's uh, let's go through irrational takes, um, even though we, they've locked down AP. But let me go with um, number one that I saw. Why aren't the Titans going after Frank Gore? Well, to be fair, I would have. I wrote an article while they, of course, in the middle of the article of options. <laughs> They, I, they decide that, hey, we're going to work out Adrian Peterson. I'm like, shit. I, I mean, I'm, all, I'm in the middle of this article. I'm in the AFC, you know, trade options. And they, you know, they say that. I did put, I would love for them to get Frank Gore because there is nothing I would love more than to bring up a future Hall of Famer Frank Gore to Keith on a weekly basis. The internet Keith, for those who don't remember that he used to be on the show, he was anti-Frank Gore in the Hall of Fame. Frank Gore is definitely going to the Hall of Fame. And I would love nothing more for him to be in two times blue. Just, just for that. Just, just for the pure hilarity of it. But obviously Frank Gore is not going to get you. I think Adrian Peterson will get you more than Frank Gore, obviously. Yeah. Number two was... And I think our old retiree buddy was guilty of this too. 
he started off a list of running backs the Titans should go after. And the number one he listed, I mean, did he list Marlon Mack from the Colts? Yeah, that was a that was an odd one. These were band-aids. So and I'd said it looks like I replied, it looks like you haven't retired from bad list making. Um <laughs> the but it was it was preferred band-aids. For whatever reason, he put Rashad Penny on there, who's a sack of worthless shit that is not good at all. And he put Rashad Penny on like number three, like get a fucking grip, whatever. It's not a band-aid that that's pouring rubbing alcohol in an open wound. Yeah. Um, that was, it was a horrible, horrible list. I hated this list all the way through. Um, yeah, the Colts are not going to trade Marlon Mack. I mean, that was one of the first things I said in that article is that the Colts are not going to trade Marlon Mack. In fact, you would be hard pressed to, to get an AFC team to trade anybody to you. Now I get the gist of his list is technically, this is my preferred list. Like, Sure. If all things were created equal, Mike wants these guys. But if you if your list ever contains Rashad Penny, y- your list is null and void. Please stay retired. You should actually have to delete your account. Wow. Delete the account. Delete the account. You should have I... to start over because Rashad Penny is fucking worthless. The guy can't even stay healthy, can't even beat out players on his own team like Travis Homer. He can even beat out Travis Homer in Seattle. Like, give me a fucking break about Rashad Penny. Stop making Rashad Penny a thing. He's he's a fat piece of shit. <laughs> a fat piece of shit. Well, there it is. It's out there. I mean, Mike, I don't know what to say to you. Apparently, you have to delete your account now. But no, I, I was laughing about Marlon Mack because they're not going to, no, no, they're never going to trade in right. the AFC South ever. I mean, the, the Colts, especially, right? Jimmers, they would never allow that shit. No, um, I mean, you, you, why would they help you out? Because technically, no. they still believe that they're in it, right? For the wild card. And if right. they can get into the playoffs and somehow Derrick Henry is not there for the playoffs and you they get to play the Tennessee Titans and then they gave us gave the Titans Marlon Mack, like, come on. Come on, guys. That is not, that is not going to happen. So let's try to look realistically at actually i'm sorry i need to bring up the colts game real quick before we kind of move on from that and and for those listening if if there is a few of you out there going why aren't you talking about the colts game trust me i mean we want to it just seems weird to talk about a win against the colts in depth when you lose such a major piece of your offense i mean that being said i don't want to gloss over the fact that again the Titans have essentially locked down the AFC South. I mean, they have a 98% chance of winning the AFC South. Now they've already swept the Colts. You don't have to deal with the Colts anymore. You, you, the only way this could really go South is to just completely lose out against, you know, the Jags and the Texans and all this other crap to happen. So th- I don't want to gloss over the fact that the Titans, that was a needed win. If they lose that game and lose Henry, this is a bad situation, a much, much worse situation. So I don't want to gloss over that, but <clears throat> I got to bring up this one stat I did catch before I went to bed that Carson Wentz and the Colts have 270 yards of offense off offensive pass interference penalties. Yeah. A lot of those came in the, that Ravens game or the Ravens, the Rams game, the Rams game. I was watching on, on TV and um, the they they kept getting they kept being on like third and you know long or whatever. And then all of a sudden, I'd look up and they were over. They were all on the other end of the field. And I'm going, what is going on? And then they would show the replay: defensive pass interference, defensive pass interference, defensive pass interference. I mean, it's it's utterly just ridiculous that. They, they, he's a he's a defensive pass interference merchant. I mean, you're talking about a guy that that's all he does. And you know, everybody wants to talk about how efficient Carson Wentz has been since uh since our game, the first game versus them. Um, but these last um these last two weeks, he has seven turnover worthy throws, and he was doing better before he played us and 
I, I think it's pretty ridiculous how anybody believes that Carson Wentz is still the answer in Indianapolis. You're and the calling, and Booger McFarland really got into it, and so did Alex Smith and all of them. They they really hammered home the point that if you called the Carson Wentz pick six in the end zone a genius move, that you yourself are not a genius. Because it is not a genius move looking at you, Emmanuel H.O., or however you say his last name, who's the guy who Gosh. thinks that javelin throwers shouldn't be doing drugs or whatever in the Olympics, the weed. He's the weed the guy. Weed dude. Yeah, the weed dude. Makes you a better athlete. Yeah. Definitely the, doesn't make you go get a honey bun in a mountain, too. <laughs> but he's, he said that it was a genius move. You know what would have been a genius move? Not to go into the end zone and drop back that far. You know what would have been a genius move to audible out of the play call? You know what would have been a genius move? Anything other than that or take the safety. There, there were other options for him, and he couldn't. Now, you can't throw it away if you're in the end zone, but if you ran outside of the box over to the left or to the right or somewhere and tried to throw it out and get out or just dive forward, dive forward and put the ball, do something. Like, th that was stupid. This idea that it was a genius move and that he had the situational awareness to know, to know that, okay, if I do give them the pick six, if I give them the pick six, which what quarterback is fucking thinking that in the heat of the moment, if I give them the pick six, we'll get the ball back and we'll be able to go down there and score because we're not having any issues going down there and scoring, except for that they are except for when they get defensive pass interference plays, but that's what we'll do. I'm a genius. I'm Carson Wentz. This guy can't even fucking figure out how vaccin vaccinations work. I mean, like, are we really going to sit here and try to give credit to someone for throwing a pick six? Like, what is the world coming to that you have to put that? Why would you ever put that tweet out? Why would you ever look at it, that tweet and say, this is the tweet, Carson Wentz, beautiful genius? I mean, not to mention the pick six itself was not exactly like it was an easy grab. That was molded that grabbed that, right? Yeah. And, and he went up was, in the air to get it. He, so yeah, I don't think he, he was intending on doing that on purpose to get the pick six. I think he was probably trying to get it in the area of a player so he could get right. his – if it fell to the ground, he could say, well, I wasn't throwing it away. I'm trying to get to this player. Yeah, if he truly wanted to just pick six it, you got to think he would have just pointed to someone on the Titans and yeah, underhand tossed it to, it to him. Let's get this over with. Yeah, I just, I had to point out the 270 yards on offense because it's not to rip on DPI. It is what it is. What are you going to do? You can't, I mean. You know, well, I hate that you get, not. you get rewarded for underthrown yes. balls. Yes, that part does drive me nuts. I don't know how you fix that. We're not going to which is supposed to be catchable, that. right? I like. I always right. thought the pass interference had the thing is you're preventing someone from getting a catchable ball. If it's not catchable because it's underthrown, then how are they? How are they? I think it's too subjective in that in that instance, and that doesn't negate the fact that Imani Hooker and Chris Jackson, these guys aren't turning their head around to get the ball for some easy interceptions to avoid the DPI, but there are some that are out of their control that shouldn't have been called. I watched the last like two minutes of the fourth quarter and then overtime with my mother sitting next to me. She hardly watches football. And even she brought up a question about defensive pass interference. So just to the point you were making, she was like, well, I don't understand if the player had no chance at catching that, how do they get rewarded with yardage? And I'm just like, I, I don't know. Don't let's don't give me an existential crisis right now while I'm trying to watch this game. Like I don't I don't want to have to question the obvious because it does just irk me. But absolutely to your point, this whole argument about you know Carson Wentz is still you know he, he's the truth and he's getting it done. He's not. They're getting four point five yards per attempt that game. Yeah. Passing. That's like mm -hmm. Kyler Murray twenty uh, rookie year Kyler Murray numbers. Just go look at Justin Graber's fantastic video that. Adam Schefter then retweeted, and then, <laughs> of course, it got overshadowed by the Derrick Henry stuff. But, you know, it's set to the theme song of Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's, uh, is it um, Teddy, oh, I'm sorry, who's the player Teddy for the- um, Teddy Bruschi. Yeah, Teddy Bruschi. Is, is going through this whole long, it's about a 90-second soliloquy about 
look, what's going to come down to the Colts losing this game if they lose to the Titans is Carson Wentz making stupid decision after stupid decision. The, the video is very funny, and it's set to all the stupid decisions that Carson Wentz made during that game. Seriously, it's biased, but just go look at that video in particular. It'll give you a nice snapshot of how this jackass plays football game to game. He's not the answer. He's still the turnover machine everybody knew he was. And when he's not turning the ball over, he's standing there slack-jawed like a moron, not knowing how to make a decision in the end zone, and then decides to throw a, a, a calculated pick six, Zach. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just – it's it's crazy. And, you know, good, good on Kevin Byard for – uh, being able to get that last interception and and get the team in position for a couple of Derrick Henry runs and a field goal. So, uh, you know, especially after having one of the worst, and it was the correct call, one of the worst defensive pass interferences that was totally unnecessary that he just gave them. So, yeah. so and then he lost the coin toss like shortly after that, which was, I was, I was really about to join everybody and throwing out some Kevin Byard slander. I said, nope, nope. I read it. Had it all had it all ready. I read it, deleted it, said, no, you know what? Not gonna put out any Kevin Byard slander. I said, you know, I'll I'll let it pass. And that's how you should handle tweeting, by the way, for you genius uh tweeters about the uh Carson Wentz stuff. You should read your tweet and then decide, hey, I don't think I'm gonna send it right now. Kind of like the people who said the game was over at uh when the Colts were up 14 and no. You'll be seeing those tweets because I definitely bookmarked those tweets to send them to Rob. Yeah, I mean, football is not the first to X score, okay? I mean, like, it's not the first to 14, and then the NFL front office goes, well, this is clearly other hand. Just get these assholes off the field. It doesn't work that way. You have to play the whole game. Titans played the whole game, and they ended up winning. Um, I do – I do. I have to go back to Kevin Byard for a second. I, I really – besides the DPI and then failing at a coin toss, how dare you – it, what a turnaround for him from 2020. 2020, he looked lost. I mean, everyone on defense looked lost in 2020, admittedly so. But I'm I'm really pleased to see this man getting interceptions, getting his body around the field in the right positions. It's good to see. It's refreshing to see. I lead that into this. This Titans defense each week makes me happier and happier. They seem to be playing as a cohesive unit, doing their damn job, and I love it. Well, and Jackrabbit's starting to hit, hit stride, too. Yes. Um, Molden is playing better week after week. Chris Jackson looks very capable. And this is all without Christian Fulton. And to be honest with you, when Christian Fulton comes back, I may cry, I may shed a little tear because I'll be so happy to have him back. And I worry that they may not rush him back just because the this defense is playing well. But you're talking about a team that's going to be getting healthy at the right time of the year. And this defense is going to be even more important as the year goes on. And it has an easier schedule ahead of itself. So I, I'm just very excited. I love what the defense is. I want to ask you a question because something's been bothering uh, me about this whole Kevin Byard situation. All these people that are demanding apologies to Kevin Byard or saying that they should apologize to Kevin Byard. What he's doing in 2021 does not erase what he did in 2020. Nobody owes Kevin Byard an apology for saying that he played like shit in 2020 and that he needed a rebound in 2021. That is the fucking truth. You don't owe up someone an apology for stating facts and for stating what is what everybody saw, which was Kevin Byard played like shit in 2020. He did not live up to his contract. He did not, uh, was not the team leader that, that was needed on defense during the game on the field. He wasn't communicating. He was constantly lost, constantly taking bad angles. Let, let's be honest here. Nobody owes Kevin Byron an apology. Now, that does not mean that he can't play good later on just because he had one bad year. Everybody had Kevin Byard as a rebound candidate, and guess what? He rebounded. Good for Kevin Byard. You're doing your fucking job. I don't owe him an apology for stating the facts that he sucked in 2020. Like, get a grip. Get, I mean, get a fucking grip, you guys. I, and, something that that was something I wanted to bring up last week, and I forgot to because Buck, I think, uh, put that did I on a show where he's like, "Oh, I think, oh, you know, Kevin Byron apology. Why he owes us an apology for 2020? He's, he definitely owes us an apology for 2020. He 
do you not think that these players are self-aware and understand that they played like shit as well? Yeah. I, here's the terrible comparison I'll make. And I don't care if it's terrible. I just want to try to be funny about it. Let's, uh, you know, let's pretend Zach and I are dating. Zach discovers that I'm cheating on him. Zach looks at me and says, wow, you're an asshole dirtbag. 2021 comes around. We've worked through our problems. We're still doing good. Okay. Is it fair for me to look at Zach and say, you owe me an apology for calling me a dirtbag last year? No, exactly. I still cheated. It yeah. doesn't change the fact that I was an asshole. So yeah. look, it, it, there is a fine line. Don't get on Twitter and at athletes and talk shit because you're never going to be athletic enough to match up to what they do. If you want to openly criticize athletes, go for it. I think tagging them is a little weak. Wh- whatever. Handle your Twitter. Game I think whatever, even if you're you being complimentary, I think it's weird that you tag. I, I, I think it's a very weird thing to tag people if you're not like giving them credit for something specific in the tweet. Like, you know, you know, talking about uh, Dehenber or something and you tag Mike in it. Yeah, sure. Go mm-hmm. ahead. You know, Henuary this year, no Dehenber. Dehenber's been canceled. But um, like, it's it's like these people. If you criticize a player factually, and then they they go in and they tag them and say under your tweet and say, "Oh, at Taylor Juan, did you see this?" Or you know, or they'll say they'll agree with you and they'll say, "Yeah, I really think that Taylor Lewan needs to rebound," and they'll tag Taylor Lewan. Like, why? Why are you taking that extra step and putting in the ad? And and let me say this. I because this thing happened with the Chiefs where they all got in their feelings this last week and started bat, calling that fan base toxic, which was hilarious to me because I'm pretty sure the Titans have the lead on toxic Twitter <laughs> fan bases. Bad, <laughs> but um, they they someone in that tweet put out that players only go name searching for the bad stuff and, and only engage with the trolls and never engage with the people that they tag that, that get tagged in positive stuff. Like the people that are coming to bat for them and all this stuff. So all you good for the boys guys that come in and, you know, have to defend every player in my mentions, guess what? Those players don't give a shit that you're doing that. They would rather, they only give a shit about the people that are negative to them. So maybe you need to stop being negative to try to get a little attention fucking i don't know go on world of warcraft if you need attention from strangers what about what about adding a player who was seriously injured during a game and saying hey i'm the guy who wished you best of luck on the way oh the yeah hey. which is an actual tweet i'm not gonna say who did it because i don't want to start a mob but someone in our fan base actually tweeted hey man i don't man, know I if you, you remember get, but I'm i don't know if you remember blue. i'm the one who told you on the way off the field i hope you get better dude <laughs> That person is not laying in the I'm sure that dude room. heard you from up yeah. in the stands while doctors are talking to him and the medical staffs talk to him and all over the cheers. Heard you say, I'm the guy who said, I hope you're doing okay. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad my wife and children are down here to check on me in tears, wondering about my livelihood after this. But thank God that guy up in the stands got that, got that attaboy out to you. I'm going to law off base here. Uh, so <laughs> Sunday night football. The Titans game plan on offense certainly is going to be different. And then the Rams, of course, as if it, the Rams could, could you just give us a coupon for one week and not go get fucking Von Miller? Now it's going to be Von Miller, um, Aaron Donald. You combine that with Jalen Ramsey and paper, Leonard Floyd and Leonard Floyd. That's a fucking beast of a defense. The Rams. Holy shit. That's I mean, Okay. I'm sure Taylor Lewan's already writing this thank you notes to the Rams defense. <laughs> Are you going to add him in the podcast? So <laughs> the Titans have come out of this stretch now three and zero so far. If if you would told me the Titans go three and one in the stretch, I would have been okay with that. But it doesn't mean that I want to see the Titans lay down and lose this game. And especially this is Sunday night football. You would prefer not to see the Titans get embarrassed on national stage. They're probably going to, but <laughs> but I just say like. And, and the only, here, let me back that up. The reason why I say they're probably going to is because I'm not predicting a loss. I'm predicting that, unfortunately, the Titans do still have somewhat of a history on the national stage of not doing great sometimes. So just have that in the back of your mind. But, Zach, what do you see? How do you go after the Rams' defense post-Eric Henry? Well, 
Doesn't this feel <laughs> hey, uh, a good luck answering that? Well, I mean, I just I just want to say that doesn't this just kind of feel like a game that the Titans are going to end up winning? Backs yes, up against the wall. Really Nobody believes in them. They just lost a, a player to injury. They're somehow gonna win this game. And I, I know that is crazy to say, right? But you're you're talking about I don't I don't really know how you with Adrian Peterson and Jeremy Nichols, how you keep their pass rush honest. And you're sure. still gonna have to do a lot of play action plays. There there's still you're there is no real way. There's no obvious flaw to attack this team with because you're right. They do have Jalen Ramsey. They do have Aaron Donald. They have Leonard Floyd. They have players that are going to make their plays and get theirs. Daryl Henderson is having a great year and if you don't set the edge on defense, which the Titans, which we didn't get to talk, we haven't talked about. I think the worst thing about their defense this past week was their lack of ability to be able to set the edge to stop, um, to stop Jonathan Taylor. They, they have a real issue with setting the edge and they're going to have to do that against Daryl Henderson, or he's going to eat you alive as well. And then you got Cooper Cup, you have Robert Woods, you know, Van Jefferson. They're all hitting these strides as well. You know, you're talking about a team that's only lost um, one game, and that was to Arizona. And Arizona is pretty good. And you're going to have to try to slow down their offense, get away, keep the ball away. And you're going to have to do that with Adrian Peterson in the screen game. And it's going to, you're going to have to hope that it works because I'm looking at this Arizona game and they ran the ball 30 times for 170 yards. And you're going to have to be able to do that somehow between Jeremy McNichols, Adrian Peterson, and a third running back to be named later. I'm putting my chips on Deontay Foreman is going to be that guy, but they could just call up McKees or McKee. Makai Sargent and bring him up. But I kind of think that Deontay Foreman may be that guy. They Vrabel specifically mentioned, um, I think it's Dontrell Hillard is the guy that they signed last week to the practice squad. Who's really put in the work, getting there early, talking to the positional coaches. They may bump him up over Makai Sargent, but those th- there's going to be three guys and all three guys are going to be involved. This is a pure running back by committee and all three of those guys need to be able to get yardage and chunk plays to keep the ball out of the Rams defense. You have to play keep away because if Christian Fulton isn't back and you have Greg Maben on Cooper cup or Robert Woods and Jack rabbit on the other could be end up being a long day. Of course, we all said that about the Buffalo bills game. We all said that about the uh, Kansas City game, and they came out winning. And I could see this being a game that they win because this team just has the fight in it. This team has so much fight and so much heart in it that I think that you can't ever discount them out until it's 41-0 to in the third quarter. Like, you cannot count this team out at any point. They're the first team this year and then i think they're the only team this year's to come back 0 and 14 not only once but they've done it twice now yep that is a wild stat and that just shows you that this team is never out i mean i'm gonna be watching i i really hope i'm not watching with one eye open i really i want this to be a good game it should actually be a damn good game because you're right the way the titans are, are trending at least in the last couple of years is that well specifically this year like what you just said of it you can't count them out because they've come back but in the last couple of years the titans are starting to get over that hump of doing embarrassing things on on national television but also you're exactly right about a game to where you're counting them out is usually when the titans step up and go buck wild and what perfect situation for to come into Sunday night football with no Derrick Henry and people are just you know, chomping at the bit about, 
oh, well, here you go. No Derrick Henry. This team's just going to get killed. And it, this is going to turn into some kind of shootout, right? So I, I really hope that's the case. I, I expect it'll be a good game. And I think you're right about that. Um, final thoughts uh, before we wrap this up. Uh, I will say this, that if you ever go to a haunted house at a stripper's. Oh, yes. Um, here's my advice. For Halloween of 2022, don't go to a stripper's haunted house where she has a live monkey with your kids. Now, for those that do not know, the Texas special teams coach, when shortly before he was hired for the Texas Longhorns job, he left his wife and kids for a stripper named Pole Assassin who owns a monkey as part of her act. So she is a stripper that has a monkey show attached to it. And she has been on Jerry Springer a few times, apparently decided that it would be a good idea to throw a Halloween party at their house where kids can apparently wander off possibly and get bit by a monkey. And they had to prowl the monkey's jaws, pry the monkey's jaws off the kid this is a wild story a stripper has a monkey and this monkey is attacking children it's is wild this is okay every now and then i'll hear someone make the comment if they want a pet monkey or whatever if, if you need to now again this is not a chimpanzee so i'm making a terrible comparison but look up hairless chimpanzees at some point and just see how unbelievably fucking jacked those animals are. They're incredibly strong and they're hard to get off. I just don't know where to start though with this headline. And I did not know about this story until Zach pointed out to me right before we started recording. The headline on upperhawks.com is this, a Texas coach's ex-stripper girlfriend's monkey biting a kid on Halloween has become college football's top story. I just don't even overstart with that. He lives, leaves his wife and kids to hook up with a stripper named Pole Assassin. She apparently is a regular on Jerry Springer, and she's got a monkey that's in her act that bit a kid. Like, I just, there's so much to unpack in that entire sentence. Does, Tex, does said Texas coach get fired for being with a stripper with a monkey? Let me just put that out there. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. Um you know, just final Titans thoughts, though. Um, you know, the season's not over. Do I expect the trade deadline is is today? So, depending on when you, if you listen to this at three PM Central Standard Time, the trade deadline's already over. I don't expect any big moves. Uh, I league wide, I really don't. I don't know if the Deshaun Watson trade gets done in time. I don't know if there's any other big moves hanging out there. I don't know if the Titans do any moves for a running back. You know, just some people out there. I think that maybe they should trade something away to for Adrian or to help Adrian Peterson out. But the, this team went all in on Adrian Peterson. They they brought him in, worked him out, and signed him. They did not do any other workouts. That means that they either had they they must have been kicking the tires on Adrian Peterson before yesterday obviously they could have been doing it sunday evening but i think it even has to be before sunday evening that they had to be kicking the tires on adrian peterson as a just in case or something because that that went through quick and let me say this adrian peterson is hilarious on twitter and has already changed his profile from that ninja turtle picture that everybody has of him (laughs) where he's just sitting in a white t-shirt and i think he was um I think it was Donatello, but he changed it. Someone changed it to Titans blue, and now it's his profile picture. He's happy to be here. You're not going to get a running back that's, that is lacking a Super Bowl ring that is going to run as hard as, as Adrian Peterson is. And now, just because he runs hard does not mean it's going to equate to stats, right? I mean, people can run really hard and get tackled in the backfield all the time. <laughs> but – he that's the only thing missing from his resume is a Super Bowl win. And he wanted so badly to go to Tampa Bay in the offseason be just because he wants to chase that ring. He's chasing the ring. So he's going to do everything in his power to make sure that this team without Derrick Henry 
doesn't miss a beat and tries his best to get this team a ring and put himself, put this team in the best position to get a ring. So I think it's a really good thing to have. And I'm really excited to see what the offense shifts slightly. And I don't think it's going to be a huge adjustment because Mike Vrabel said he doesn't want to throw, you know, 40 something times a game. And I agree you, you, but you need to adjust when your pass plays exist and when your run plays exist, you obviously don't want to be running second and 10 with Adrian Peterson. That needs to be a screen game or some kind of pass play at this point. Before we wrap this up, I have to do something I'm never happy about, which is apologize to Zach and admit he's right. Um, I have been saying for weeks, I said it during the game, after the game, and for a couple weeks after that the loss to the Jets was unforgivable. You don't lose to the Jets. Who loses to the Jets? They're the worst team in the league, right? They don't beat anybody. They're a shit team. This is an embarrassing loss, and they beat the fucking Bengals. With a backup quarterback who with threw for backup, 400 yards. The backup quarterback who threw for 400 yards and then tweeted at Peyton Manning, I'm just saying I'm coming after your record. I I, I don't know what else to say other than the Jets are 2-1 and one at home. They are not the worst team in the in the AFC East. The Dolphins are by far. I, I just don't know what else to say other than I'm I'm sorry for making statements that that loss to the Jets is unforgivable. I do still hate the loss, but it's basically just another loss now. I'm a fucking idiot. And I'm sorry. Well, listen. <laughs> it, it, any any given week, a team can lose to a team that it shouldn't. Right? I mean, the Giants beat the Saints. Um, the Saints beat the Packers in week one in a drumming that shouldn't have happened. It, it, it happens all the time. And it's, it, it's a disappointing loss. Like I was saying, yeah, the loss sucks, but the season was far from over And the seasons. It's a long season, even with Henry out and Ian Rappaport again, this morning goes out and says, and coincides with the medical reports of what in, this injury entails six to 10 w- week window. The playoffs are in 11 weeks. The Super Bowl, I think, is in 14 or 15 weeks. We there, There's plenty of time for Henry to come back and, and, and help this team out on its run to the Super Bowl. And in the meantime, this is the easiest part. After the Rams game, the Titans hit the easiest part of their schedule by far. And you're talking about a Titans schedule that – you're, you're looking at this team, and you are seeing that a couple of things have swung their way recently. One of those being is that no matter what your feelings are on Jameis Winston, they're either going to play against Taysom Hill or Trevor Simeon in next week after the Rams game. Yeah. Okay. At home, then they get the Texans at home who are atrocious. They have to go up to New England. And New England is starting to find their groove, but we we've seen it now. Mike Vrabel kind of has the Bill Belichick's number at that point. Really, and they he's, got the he's bye under week. his skin. Yeah, they got the bye week. Then it's Jacksonville. Then it's these pretenders that are the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then it's the atrocious San Francisco 49ers at home. Then the Dolphins. Then the Texans. You may after this week, you have two real games, right? And those games are the Patriots and the Steelers. And they're not even big as far as games that you should be like terrified of. I don't even know if they're that terrifying. The Pittsburgh Steelers game is the biggest game left on their schedule, in in my opinion, as far as playoff implications and everything is concerned. It's a big, this is an easy stretch. You're talking about a team compared to the rest of the league that's already the number one AFC uh, seed has a good chance of holding on to that. So there yep. is, this is not even without Derrick Henry. This is a relatively easy stretch. You'd rather the Derrick Henry injury not happen, but if there was ever the time of the year to have it happen, it actually did happen in the perfect time. The, and the Titans have still not hit their bye week, which, you know, just adds another week of recovery. It, it also gives this team, um, some much needed recovery as they get towards the playoff push. So this works out in the Titans favor for they did the best thing possible coming through this. Again, 
the Titans come out of this scenario three and one against the Bills, Chiefs, Colts, and Rams. That's pretty good. I'd love to see them close it out with a nice four and oh, but three and one makes you feel a hell of a lot better going into this. And you're right. The next two up that really look like on paper to present you any kind of problems is the Patriots and the Steelers. So look, good back half of the season for the Titans. So much needed rest coming in a, in a bye week. Um, that's why I just have to laugh when you start to hear even some national pundits. Yeah, if they make the playoffs, I, I just don't see a scenario where the Titans completely find a way to not make the playoffs. But um, all right, we've rambled a lot with you today, and I appreciate that. Thank you for, uh, for it's listening to It's a very cathartic thing, guys. We, cathartic I mean, thing. Very so we had to get through this as a group, okay? And don't tweet at players, I'm the guy who said, I hope you get over your injuries as being carted off the field. Nobody gives a fuck. Um, <laughs> this has been Football and Other F-Words. I'm your host, Mr. Valsky. we got Zach, as always. The two of us want to remind you to go rate, review, subscribe, tell your neighbors and friends that you listen to us. And follow us on Twitter if you don't already. It's at FWordsPod. Um, for the two of us, as a reminder, you've just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.